What are your thoughts on CBD? This is a question being asked more frequently among patients, clients, peers, family, and even professionals. CBD popularity has boomed in the last few years, and questions about it are becoming increasingly common in the area of addiction, recovery, mental health, physical health, and even parts of everyday living. As a professional counselor and clinical supervisor, what are my answers when people ask about CBD? Welcome listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery podcast, which is the follow-up to the book Addiction and Recovery, and I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier. This podcast explores discussions regarding important issues related to addiction and recovery. Information you learn here is not typical of what you'd find in academic textbooks and resources and comes from my experiences as a clinical supervisor, clinical substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor in the work with individuals and others involved in this field. Listen as guests join the show and we cover a wide range of topics looking to educate individuals, families, communities, organizations, institutions, mental health professionals, educators, and anyone else impacted by addiction and recovery. CBD, more like CBDBE, meaning CBDB everywhere. Seriously, I'm finding it all over the place, and I'm sure you are as well. You know, grocery stores, gas stations, pet stores, magazines, coupons. You see those giant advertisements that say CBD sold here in those like yard car wash signs. I mean, you can't miss it. You can buy CBD in oils, foods, capsules, cosmetics. And yes, I even saw recently it's in toilet paper. So I knew this was a discussion that was going to be something to talk about because I've already been talking about it with clients and patients since it really started. CBD is not new to me or new to some of the professionals I work with because we often have these conversations and deal with these issues before they become like a trending or headlining topic. And it does not make me a CBD expert. It's been hard to even really learn all about it, to be honest. In the past year, I've read four books about like THC and CBD. I've attended six uh, continuing education courses like related to the topic. I've got a little, I've read several articles about it as well. So you can definitely call this a current area of professional development. However, I am being asked the question, you know, what are your thoughts about CBD from several different people? And it's happening more often when I've presented to professionals on topics, and there's like a Q&A part, I've had people ask about it. When I've done community talks, there are people in the audience, or they, they submit questions asking about, well, what about CBD? I've had, you know, family members, friends, reach out and ask about like what I think about it. And I've definitely had plenty of clients and patients over the years ask more about it. So I figure let's talk about my thoughts you know, on this episode and what I tell people when they ask me those questions. So, and what I may say could surprise you. Before we get into like some of those questions and answers, there's just a little bit of like CBD 101 basics to kind of cover. And CBD is only one of more than 100 cannabinoids and other molecules found in the marijuana plant known as cannabis sativa. So THC, which is the plant's most abundant cannabinoid, interacts with the brain receptors that causes that high that we are all familiar with when people use, smoke, ingest marijuana. CBD is the plant's second most abundant cannabinoid, and that does not contain THC. Therefore, it does not result in the getting high. And this right out the gate established itself different from THC. It's part of the reasoning and rationale behind why CBD is quote unquote better. You know, it's less harmful. It's different. It's not THC. So right away, people will say, you know, it's different. It's not the same. It doesn't get you high. There's no THC. And CBD isn't new, you know, like new, brand new. It's been around for a while. But, you know, really, you ask like what happened with this craze? Why are we seeing it? 
everywhere now? Why are we seeing it all over the place? And part of it was back in 2018 was when this craze, you know, really sort of hit. And right around that time, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved Epidiolex. And this was the first drug containing CBD that is used to treat two rare and severe types of childhood epilepsy. So since that approval came through, you know, research on CBD for medical like applications accelerated. And from there, like the boom for marketing it and selling products for CBD hit. There were some other things that were going on with regulations and laws and farming and some other stuff that was happening. So from that point on, what we are seeing is two races that have been kicked off, so to speak, which is science and money. And big question is who's winning? And one of the things, as I told you, I've been doing to learn more about it with development is just reading and finding things to discuss it. One of the things I found was a Your Guide to CBD, which is put on by Prevention. And there's an introductory article that's called All About CBD by Richard Carmona, who the is the 17th Surgeon General of the United States. And I'm just going to read to you the intro to it as far as kind of where we are with it and kind of what's going on with this boom. So this comes from the Your Guide to CBD. Like people all over the world for millennia, Americans have always sought a magic bullet or quick fix for what ails them. That's where enterprising salespeople have eagerly stepped in, from hucksters and horse-drawn wagons in the 19th century selling snake oil to present-day infomercials and social media marketers offering unregulated supplements to address all that ails you from aches to zoo noses. We now have before us cannabidoil. CBD, a derivative of cannabis, the marijuana plant, the newest of the potential magic bullets that is actually a rediscovered ancient natural remedy. Certainly, our historical knowledge of numerous alleged miracle cures over the centuries would suggest that we should be very cautious of any single product that purposes to be able to improve and or cure a wide range of melodies. Yet here we are with CBD popping up all over the country and dozens of kinds of products, many of which make claims that rival the boldest snake oil salesmen of the past. Yet people, including reputable researchers and the medical community, are excited by its promise. As with any new CBD, the story is complicated, and CBD is far from a cure-all. So that's kind of like the landscape that is being painted as far as what's going on and where we're at. And the best way I felt to present on this was to have questions that get asked. And how do I answer those when people ask me that? So that's what this format's going to be. There's questions that are going to be when people ask me about CBD. And, and this is my responses. This is what I tell people. So one of it is where does CBD come from? And it's not just from one place. You know, the compound can be found in actually both marijuana and hemp. And the process to extract the oil is an elaborate one. And this is already drawing some caution because the more elaborate the process is, it's likely going to take more time and it's possibly going to cost more money. So if you have someone doing this for money and looking to get rich, they might cut corners in order to do so because to really extract it, it's elaborate. And the other thing about where it comes from is marijuana is a more reliable source of CBD. So even though hemp does contain it, marijuana is the more reliable. So once again, you have to keep in mind and that when someone is doing this or people are doing this for a business aspect, now we get into costs, benefits, resources, where I can get it, how much I can get it for has to be considered. So sometimes there might be someone who can't find a reliable or source of hemp, 
and they might result in using THC. So where it comes from and how we get it can be complicated. The other question I get asked a lot is, is it illegal? And one of the popularities about CBD is that it is not illegal. That is what might encourage use by some people who said, you know, like no to THC use before because it is illegal. And depending on where you are, you know, part of me gets irked a little bit because if it's legal, it must be safe, right? And, you know, that gets into the whole legal versus illegal doesn't necessarily mean the same as saying it's safe or unsafe, but everything is so different across the board. So it's always important to know where you are, where are you getting it, and all those sorts of things. So for example, Nebraska and South Dakota currently have it where CBD products are illegal there. The FDA in 2019 made it illegal to market CBD as a food additive or dietary supplement, which is kind of interesting because of how much we are seeing it added to food as well as for like supplement reasons. So... It's important that when you look at legal, illegal, you have to know what's going on where you are. Some places are very different. That's what we're seeing with the marijuana landscape. You have different states, different things occurring. So when it comes to what the state's doing, different states have different laws. And then you get also into federal. Just because the state makes something legal doesn't mean that the feds agree to that as well. Now, do I think the feds are focusing a ton of time on CBD stores and dispensaries and and products? I would say they're not spending a ton of time. Do I think that there's times and occasions when things happen and they step in about it? Absolutely. I wouldn't doubt that one bit, but it's a, it makes it so complicated when different states have different rules, different laws, the feds have different rules, different laws, and that creates complication for something that we are trying to do because all of those different laws impact people's ability to also learn about it, to study it, to research it. So it makes it more complicated when there could be something that we are trying to learn from it. And because of that, because of the laws, because of the regulations, you might not be able to study it. And then we're not able to to know what we really need to know about it. So overall, am I worried that someone's going to get in trouble for CBD? You know, the answer is unlikely or less likely, but there's always a chance. There's always something that could come as a legal risk with engaging in it or using it or selling it or buying it. There does come risk being a legal and illegal aspect to it. One of the big questions is how well does it work? You know, and in that introduction part, you heard about this cure-all and there's a lot of praise and for, for promotion for, it's like miracle work. You know, there's a, called a magic healer, the the miracle molecule. Um, there was something I saw with a like fitness um, supplement where CBD was a part of it. And it said, well, it helps you go the extra mile. So it's been touted and pushed as a, you know, cure-all magic bullet. And for a product as hyped as CBD, it's kind of unsettling to hear that the number of clinical trials is so low and even smaller for those with THC. So in one of the studies that I looked at, there was more studies being done with THC. And I still think we're we're very far behind with THC. So CBD being so far behind as well, it's just worrisome that it's being called, you know, this has changed my life. This takes care of everything, magic healer for something we don't know a lot about. And 
claims of therapeutic value are questionable, as is also the purity of the product and the integrity of the supply chain with who's making it, who's selling it, and all that. Most information currently supporting its widespread clinical use is primarily anecdotal, you know, which is based on hearsay rather than hard facts. People like to share stories about things that happened to them or that they heard about it to kind of like make a point. And I, that's what a lot of people tell me. You know, a lot of people will say, well, this person told me and it was like a friend or family member or I saw this at the store and this employee said this or that. And so it's coming from a lot of anecdotal you know, sharing of what is happening and what people have heard. There's a lot more research being done now on CBD than before. So progress towards understanding and be able to use research to discuss pros, cons, concerns, risk will be more available to us, which is really, really good. However, a lot of that research is still some of in that early stages. And this is really important to look at. In that prevention guide that was your guide to CBD, for example, I went through and highlighted any time something like little evidence or minimal research was mentioned. So for example, these are there are scant scientific studies to back up the hoopla. Uh, another one was, and since there's a lack of conclusive research, it's hard to know it's hard to know whether the compound is the real deal or an overpaid placebo. So I went through the whole little book of and highlighted kind of like phrases that kind of match that. And in the end, there was 71 pages, and I found phrases like that a total of 29 times. So even though there's some there is some research there is hope that this can help with some things how well it works is being really promoted a lot on hearsay and that anecdotal but the research isn't yet behind it and like i said 29 times in a 71 page little book where it mentioned the concerns of little evidence or minimal research a little bit alarming as to how well people think it works. There are some early um, intriguing studies that have shown potential promise, which is really great. You know, we've seen some things with anxiety, arthritis, chronic pain, insomnia, um, menopause, even menstrual cycles, nausea, and appetite, even skin issues. However, what we are also seeing in some early scientific studies is that it has not been proven or shown to be effective with things such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, cancer, diabetes, and even hypertension. So some of the research is showing it is having some effect and it does work, but we're also finding that some of the research is showing that it is not proven to be effective. So how well it works is still not fully understood. And right now, when some people say how well it works, it it largely is based on anecdotal, based on what they've heard or what someone has told them, but not based on what the science is really identifying with its effectiveness. You know, when people get into the, the problems with CBD and selling it and and buying it and making it and using it, you know, part of the question that people ask is like, what, what's the reason, you know, why, why are we seeing it everywhere? And this is where we get into one of the races that we're talking about, which is gold mine versus medicine. And the research analytics from Brightfield group, projected that the CBD market will reach $22 billion by 2022. Even though CBD is legal, there is also a black market for CBD. And some people will say, well, why? What's the reason? Well, because it's something to make money from. 
And this is one of the biggest issues with CBD right now, I think, in trying to distance itself from other areas is because of the gold mine industry this has become. And, you know, when gold has been identified, you're going to have people flock to it and try and make money. Simple as that. CBD, despite its potentially healing properties and uses, is being taken advantage of in order to make profit. When profit is involved, it can be run more like a business and not always a science. You know, science will take time and be patient. Money will pop up right away and strike while the iron is hot. And yes, there are people selling, advertising, and pushing CBD not because of the scientific support and wanting it to be the healing compound, but because it's a way to make money. Because of that, we have to understand that people will do certain things in order to increase these profits and make money. So I know in my neighborhood, I was able to walk up the street and stand on a corner. And from there, I could see two dispensaries in eyesight stores, CBD stores. And if I walked a little bit further, I could see another one. And this started a couple of years ago. And already two of them are gone now. And my purpose in telling you that is they will have opened up shop and closed shop before some of the scientific studies and results will tell us about its effectiveness. So in that time frame, they will likely have promoted CBD as this is good for you, this will help you, this will take care of this and that without really even knowing. And part of it is because, yes, some people are doing it to as a profit for money. That's the gold mine versus people who are doing it for medicine. And there are some people that will spend the rest of their life studying CBD and trying to learn more about it. And it will take time. And they will put in a lot of effort into trying to understand more about what it is, what it can do, what its limitations are. And that won't be at trying to strike while the iron's hot. And when you get to the reason, then it leads to the question is, who who are you trusting? You know, this becomes the expert versus the snake oil salesman. We are trusting a lot of people we shouldn't when it comes to CBD knowledge. We are trusting people that we would normally not do when it comes to something like that we are taking or using CBD for like health issues, mental health issues. So now all of a sudden people are telling me that where they're getting it from and where they're hearing it from, you know, they're, they're trusting the clerk at the gas station who's selling CBD. They're trusting the stock person at the grocery store who's putting CBD products on the shelves. You know, they're trusting the person behind the counter at the smoke shop who was selling bongs before, who suddenly has a white coat on and, you know, wherever these products are sold, we are trying to, you know, learn more about it and to get information about this. But we are trusting these businesses and people who work there that the product they are giving is what it says it is and that it is a, a product that is going to be safe for us and it's going to be good for us and it's going to do what we want it to do. You know, people will tell me they have at their grocery store, you know, their vet is using it for doctors. Their doctor's telling them it's okay to use. They're seeing it available at their massage place. You know, the list goes on and on and on. How many people do we normally trust? with something specific like our health or our mental health and something being used to quote-unquote treat it. You know, at first I was taken back at how often people were telling me they were using CBD to, to treat some really important issues. And when they told me who was recommending it or getting it from, you know, the source, 
shocked me. But now I've heard it so many times, it's almost I expect it. More often than not, people aren't telling me that a medical source or research was telling them that CBD is okay to use or what it does. But it's becoming it's coming from a third person. It's, it's coming from a area where they purchased it. So remember, when you are trusting someone who is not doing it for the right reason, that trust can be easily misplaced. My answer is to tell people to know their resources. Who is telling them this? What is it about this person that makes them an expert on the topic? If they don't look like they would know specifically about what is in CBD and not like knowing about the product. So there's someone that might know a lot about lotion and they could tell you about putting on lotion. But does that mean that person knows about what the CBD does or where the CBD came from or what's in the CBD? Those are the things to ask the people if they know about it. And if they don't, trusting someone that just says, yeah, go ahead, put it on. Or yeah, go ahead, take some. That's really putting your trust in the wrong place. Because that leads into what's in it. And this is really the scary part of CBD right now. You know, without the FDA regulation looking at monitoring, ensuring like a quality product, you have a lot of of mix and match out there and some of it can lead to you basically just wasting your money but some can also lead to some potentially dangerous consequences as well you know the products can vary widely and since manufacturers are sometimes unlicensed and products are not standardized this gets into that business aspect making money aspect where well how do we know what's in there and virginia wealth common university Uh, did a study in 2018 that found four of the nine CBD vaping liquids that they chemically analyzed contained the dangerous synthetic cannabinoid known as spice. And one even had the cough suppressant dextromethorphan, which is the DXM. In another study, a collection of 84 hemp-based CBD products online found that 26% of them had less CBD than indicated, 43% had more. And 18 of the products even had unexpected THC. And according to a study published in JAMA in 2017, quote, there's a 75% chance of getting a product where the CBD is mislabeled. So, What could you find or not find? You can find other substances. There was a study done where lead was found in CBD products and fentanyl was found. Some of them found no THC at all and some of them found a lot of THC and everything in between. So when it says that bottle says less than 3%, how do you know that that's true? And what they've done is they've gone around, collected samples, and they found some that have said less than 3% THC. There was one that found up to 70% THC was in it. Some of it has lots of CBD. Some of it has no CBD. There was a uh, study I saw where samples were collected and there was no CBD in it at all. But bet you there's a lot of money in it. Bet you a lot of money someone paid for that. And this is what I talked about in the podcast episode about what's in your drugs. And CBD falls under this as well. So go back and listen to that. Or if you haven't listened to it, what's in your drug talked about how there's why are there certain substances being mixed, laced, and cut with other ones? Because we're seeing that so often with everything right now. And because people are using this as a way of making money, 
this could impact what is in the product. And here's a quote I found. In a hot market with little oversight, unscrupulous vendors are finding ways to shortcut or skimp on the active ingredients. So what's in it? Who to trust? What's the reason? Things get a little bit confusing. You know, one of the things that was, as I was doing research and studying on this was, you know, how do you know what's the right dose? Like, how do you know with everything that is like being said and talked about what you're doing as far as all of this stuff? Like, how do you know what's the right dose? And this is where a lot of people use this famous case of a study with CBD and childhood seizures. You know, people use this case a lot when they tell me about why they use CBD. You know, they said this girl was having seizures hundreds of times a day and they gave her CBD and she was taken care of and everything and she's all good now. And so people are telling me that because of this seizure case, this is why they're using CBD in some other way, shape, or form. But first of all, I'm, I'm glad this child was able to get help and was able to have a medication made you know, by the FDA to help treat it. I'm, I'm really glad that she did. What this individual took, the medication she used, and everything that went into that is not the same as what you're taking when you're buying something from a store or online or the gas station. When it comes down to science, there's a lot of analyzing and taking all of these things and factors into account about what is being given, how it's being given, and the effects. You know, the right dose is a really, really tricky part to this. And part of it is because of all the ways it's being used and applied, and it makes it very complicated. And I want to read a small part of, you know, in the prevention magazine, there's a, a part on here that says, when you buy a cannabidiol product, usually it contains 100 to 500 milligrams in a whole vial, which you might be taking for a month or something like that. It would mean that dose that you're consuming is 10 to 100 fold less than any dose that has been proven in any human or animal trial. So basically, where this comes from is that there was a Dr. Paul Patcher who did a study on CBD and reviewed in most of the studies, CBD was effective for rodents at around 10 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So this translates to 10 meant 10 milligrams for every 2.2 pounds. So what does that mean when we're applying that to humans? Pretty different, right? So this means in a person of about 175 pounds, you might need a single dose of 800 milligrams. Now, check what you are seeing at the stores. What are you buying at the stores? Interesting to know that you are not getting products on the shelves that contain that much. So his point was that most people are getting a whole lot less than what may actually be most effective. Another eye-opener was I watched the show Rotten on Netflix, and season two, episode six, was called High on Edibles. And I recommend watching it. It's a really good one that, that covers, you know, the THC and stuff like that. But one of the things that was very interesting was this woman who, by by what I can tell, looked like she was doing it for legit reasons. And it seemed like she wants to do it right. But in it, she talks about making this spice nut mix, okay? And she talks about there are five different kinds of nuts with five different kinds of sizes, and she realized that the pecans absorbed more THC than the peanuts. And the result of this is she said, it's way too hard to figure that out. 
you know, how much of the THC even, and then we would take in like CBD, how much is being put on or added? Then you add in all these different ways and it makes it extremely complicated to know how to give the right dose and what the right dose is. And the right dose has been difficult to really answer and it gets more complicated because of the source of the CBD with how it's being manufactured and also how it's being delivered. So besides the FDA-approved anti-seizure medication, which we talked about with that child, no research has established what the ideal dosage or delivery systems are to get the full and accurate benefits of CBD. That's because it could be ingested, smoked, vaped, topical, cosmetics, even nasal sprays. So the right dose is really hard to figure out, and we really don't know what that is yet. Now, what about testing positive for THC? The only thing I can say about this is that if you test positive for THC and you claim you only use CBD, there's a good chance there was some THC in it. And if you're listening where I talked about products being mislabeled, you can't be ignorant about the fact that this could happen. Not many people are going to be like, oh, it must be CBD. Then, then it, it wasn't THC. And by people, I mean like your employers, your, your job applications, drug testing for workplace incidents, hospitals, judges, POs. If it says you tested positive for THC, it's likely going to be treated that way. And in my line of work with substance abuse and you know, people who get drug tested and treatment and for other reasons, that becomes a big problem. You know, I work at a treatment program where we do drug testing. There's definitely a string of times when a lot of people were testing positive for THC and telling us it was CBD. A lot of cases where people have tested positive at job hirings. There's also stories where children have ingested substances and then tested positive for THC. So what do you think happens then? You don't just tell you know, CPS, well, I had CBD. That's not going to then erase or take away a positive THC result. Someone sent me this, um, this search warrant that was actually issued in my own neighborhood. And it was about a CBD store. And it was from April 2nd, actually, 2021. And it was a CBD store in the area. And this is, this is what it said. That... Uh, The sheriff's department executed a search warrant at a self-described business website and store signage as a CBD dispensary. And the sheriff's department began investigating the business after becoming aware of a non-fatal overdose incident involving two small children whom unintentionally ingested a CBD-related product. And they found out that it was obtained by the parents and the parents got it from the store During the investigation leading up to the search warrant, investigators obtained evidence that the business was selling products containing prohibited levels of Delta 9 THC. These products were labeled by the business as CBD or Delta 8 THC. Wisconsin state law allows for the sale of CBD-related products. However, CBD-related products are permitted to have a Delta 9 THC content of not more than 0.3%. Several of the products that were obtained during the investigation were found to have levels of excess of 20%. So, do you see the problem? I know a lot of people were saying, like, well, it's CBD, it's marijuana, there's a lot of other, this is where our resources are. But if CBD, I believe, will continue to struggle and have problems when people are not taking the proper steps to distinguish itself from THC. You can't distinguish yourself from it when you are selling and promoting products that are containing levels of THC that is not supposed 
to be in it. And to be honest, that is a lot of people who are trying to do this to make money. So someone who says, oh no, it's safe, there's no THC in it, that literally probably easily could have what happened in this case. The bottle was labeled CBD and THC Delta 8. And it had 20%. There bottles in there had 20% of THC. So I really think that if CBD wants to make claims and identify itself as different, the more people combine the products, mix the products and all that, it's going to make it more complicated for that to happen. Which also leads into what about children, adolescents, and youth? And the unfortunate thing is we're seeing a lot of what is similar to what we saw with tobacco and vaping. Is these products being, looks like advertised or promoted to children and youth. And I saw a guy who was presenting, um, he was from Colorado, so he has been doing a ton of marijuana and CBD research and it was in a different state and there's two states that he mentioned where he showed this map of CBD stores and some of them were right next to a daycare and like another type of use setting and part of the reason is because the laws are different and how they maneuver those. So here's what he was saying, that in these states, a daycare isn't considered a school. Because of that, certain CBD and marijuana dispensaries have to be away from school zones. But if it's not identified as a school area or school zone, then it's not an issue. So there's a daycare, and right next door to it was a CBD dispensary. And now you know, if you've seen any of these products, they look like they're made for kids. You know, you got gummy bears and all these types of things and candy and flavors that are almost like it is a kid product. So, and and there's people saying they've given it to children, they've given it to kids. You know, that whole, see it helped that girl with seizures And kids are taking these products or children are being given these products. These products have been laying around. You know, Colorado saw a significant increase in emergency visitations and calls to poison control because marijuana and CBD products have been left out because they're viewed as safe and children have gotten into them. And... You know, this was another, this guy talked about how he went to to a store out in Colorado and he was going there to get some camping gear and some hiking stuff. And when he walked in, there was this table that had like this trail mix and it had this bag of trail mix and it had all these little tiny cups that were filled with samples. And his, him and his daughter were walking in and they went up to it and looked at it and like it was just something to try like a trail mix. I mean... I'm a fan of trail mix and I would probably want to try some. And as he picked up the bag just to see what was in it, he saw that there was CBD in the trail mix, but there was no one around to monitor that. There was no one around to answer questions about it, but it was also just right there to take and eat. And he said, if he didn't look at it or check it um, or didn't pay attention to his daughter, she could have easily had some. So the concerning thing too is that CBD is once again, I think, falling prey, so to speak, to targeting some of the, to youth and adolescents, similar to what we saw with tobacco and vaping. And I think that's not people who are trying to understand the science of it aren't doing that. But the ones who are trying to make money might be doing that for sure. 
you know, because science will support it. Science supported giving it to that girl and making the FDA approve medication to help with that. That was science that did that. It wasn't popularity. It wasn't just pushing it, it as a, well, I heard this is good. Now, that was something that science helped to establish that as a medication to help. And thankfully, we th- that was able to happen. But simply giving it to children and youth and targeting them, having stores right next to those, that is always going to draw like an eerie feeling that something's not right about this. So those are often the questions. You know, where does it come from? Is it illegal? How well does it work? What's the reason? Who to, who to, to trust? What's in it? What's the right dose? What about testing positive for THC? And what about children, adolescents, and youth and whatnot? One of the coping skills I teach people is to ask questions. You know, ask questions in order to be more informed. Not just say no, but say no, K-N-O-W. Then you can make a better informed decision. In a way, you experienced, you know, what it is to ask some of those questions and break down the answers. And here we are with people hopefully making a better informed decision. CBD is growing in popularity and I don't believe it's going to go anywhere. So I believe we need to exercise patience and, you know, kind of allow science to support what is found. I do believe for some people it will find some therapeutic and helpful properties for issues they're dealing with. I also believe we'll find out it does not for some of what people are claiming it does. You know, I'm not against people trying to heal and improve. I've experienced chronic shoulder pain, you know, going on for four years. And there are times where I get the desire to want to find something to help with something that you're dealing with and struggling with. You know, I get that I empathize with that but to me that doesn't mean open the door to just say let's throw it out at everything and say it's a miracle you know science can be patient and can provide answers to questions that we have about CBD money won't do that a part of me is hopeful about where this could lead in certain areas, but part of me is also worried about how popularity right now is outpacing it. And the gold mine could create an explosion that could knock science off the tracks. So there's three things I want to conclude with my tips. So one is educate, educate yourself about it. Be careful and mindful of who you're trusting. I would not trust a gas station attendant or a store clerk about the product at their establishment. You remember, I purchased your guide to CBD. I recently received an American Journal of Endocannabinoid Medicine to understand more about its application. I am constantly checking research studies and academic databases and looking at articles pertaining to CBD. It's important to be educated and gain knowledge about it before you decide to use it or make claims about its effectiveness. Number two, cost and benefit. You have to weigh out the costs and benefits of using CBD. That's a choice we have to make individually. For some people, the potential benefits might outweigh some of the costs. For others, the costs might outweigh some of the benefits. So simply saying there's no harm is not entirely accurate for everyone. For someone applying for a job and having to do a drug test, using CBD could possibly lead to testing positive for THC. So it might not be best for someone to do that. Someone who is not in that position currently might not have to be concerned about that cost. As a substance abuse professional, mental health counselor, and clinical supervisors, I have to guide people through that process. Asking those types of questions. You know, when you are in treatment, what could be the cost of using CBD? When you are working on your recovery and there could be potentially other substances in there, what might happen if you do suddenly use and there's something else in it? In the end, I tell people that's the choice they have to make for themselves. 
but you need to weigh out the costs and benefits and understand that both often exist. Now, number three is use at your own risk. And this is what I had to tell everyone at the end. This is a use at your own risk. Know what is out there. Know what we don't know, meaning be aware of the fact that science is not yet caught up to the popularity, meaning we can't say for certain about a lot of things. Be, of the way, be aware of the issues of what is in it, what might not be in it, and the issues with it being not regulated and bottles being mislabeled. Do not use CBD and then be upset because of what you might find out happened as a result. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can't say, well, I paid for this and it didn't have as much CBD as it said. Well, that's, that's what could happen. That's what's going on. Now you know that. You know, I had someone who was dealing with back pain and we went over this entire type of conversation a couple times, you know, and exactly when he asked me the questions, well, what are your thoughts about CBD? Same talking points I'm giving here. In the end, he chose to do it. He was in treatment. He ended up testing positive. And in the end, there were consequences. And I was prepared to have this conversation with him. And I was almost expecting him to like have the excuses, the blaming, the minimizing about the issue. When I, was infor- when I informed him of the positive UDS for THC, he simply said, I get it. You, you warned me. I weighed out. I waited all out and made the decision. You know, I sat there thinking this was like pretty easy, but that's the risk you are taking right now with something that is really everywhere, not regulated, provided by many people in many different forms. And we don't have all the necessary information. You are using at your own risk. So, Use it or don't use it, that's not my choice to make for you. I'm not going to make that decision. My goal is always to bring more education, ask more questions, provide more information, give a perspective on my experiences in the work that I do, encourage more open discussion and understanding. And CBD is definitely one of those areas we need to do more of instead of rushing to some conclusions that haven't been made yet. As I continue to do more research, I will continue to share that knowledge. I'm really hoping to have a guest on the podcast about CBD and to answer some of the questions people might have. I have a list of people who I've listened to speak professionally about the issue names I've circled in some literature, and I would definitely be open to hearing from my audience about someone who might be willing to come on the podcast and talk about CBD So I can ask them, what are your thoughts on CBD? If you learned something today or enjoy what was talked about, please let me know. Drop a comment in any of the social media postings or go to any platform where the podcast is available and leave a rating and a comment. I love reading those. Also, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So let's continue to talk about mental health in order to break the stigma. This month, you can expect two episodes featuring very special guests, which are family members of mine who are going to bring some important value to topics related to addiction and recovery. Also, I'll be doing an episode about stigmas related to mental health and helping to recognize Mental Health Awareness Month, so continue to stay tuned. We covered a lot today, so I believe listeners did learn something, and that is always the goal. Thank you for tuning in.